Welcome to the Liberty Experts Podcast, where all your liberty questions are answered, discussed, and debated by experts. Now, here are your liberty experts, Tim Moen and David Birnbaum. Hello, Timothy. How's it going? It's going fantastic, David. It's uh, It's been like plus 30 here for the last oh, nice. two weeks, and it's about enough. You know, I... Uh, I don't have AC in my house. Right. It's like, you know, I, I prefer colder weather, I think. Yeah, it's been a bit too chilly here. I'm up at my dad's cottage and it's been so cold. I can't really be outside. It's windy. It's like 15 only. So I want it to get back up to 25 or so. So it'd be nice. Yeah, Tomorrow, well, it's I guess we can nice. never get exactly what we want. But Grass is always greener, right, Tim? If we could just split the difference. If I could send you like 10 degrees and you could send me, you know, minus 10 degrees. I don't know. Um, so we wanted to, there was a viewer who asked us, do we think we can actually change society? Can we get rid of these, can we change these centralized power structures that have been established for decades? And I think mm. that's a good question. And I don't know if we've ever talked about it because the assumption obviously in what we do is, I guess you and I think we can, but is yeah. it delusional to think that? And yeah. You know, it also goes to our difference, different approach. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm less political now and, and the, those sorts of things. So, you know, I would say yes, right? If I didn't think it was possible to change, uh, one, it would probably be pretty depressing. And two, I wouldn't really be able to do what I'm doing, right? If I thought there was no hope, then how would I be able to maintain progress and, and mm -hmm. do any work to try and make change? Um, the, what comes to mind for me is, you know, Ayn Rand has an essay called The Metaphysical Versus the Man-Made, and how it's really important to know what exists in nature and what's created by man. And all of these systems are just created by man, right? All of these status right. systems, this is, there, there's no inherent reason we have them other than people have decided they think we should. And so it really comes down to changing people's minds to realize that we should not have these, that these are bad. Um, and so I think like it's tough. It's not going to happen in five years probably. And I don't think we can switch it quickly, but I do think we can switch it. And if you look, if you take a large view of history, like we take it for granted, oh, this has been the system, you know, since the New Deal or since the early uh, 1900s or whatever it is. So you, you, we can think, oh, that's forever. But if you look at human history, there's been many systems that have been tried over, or over centuries and centuries. And at the time, they thought that was the system that would last forever. Right. And so, you know, I think it's important to step back and kind of look at it from that broader perspective and say, no, like this isn't the way the world is. It's the way the world is right now. Mm. Yeah, I mean, look, I... I I've changed, right? I've changed my mind. Uh, and society and civilization is made up of relationships between individuals. And uh, the ideas that that uh, undergird those relationships and, and um, that inform how we show up in those relationships. And so, you know, I, I'm... Uh, my society, in terms of at least my family and the my friend group and the people I'm in relationship with has certainly changed 
over the years. And I've had a strong influence on that change. Um, and so, you know, if, if ideas can cause that drastic a change um, in, in me, then why couldn't it in other people? And if lots of other people have changes, then that means a change writ large. Now, that being said, um, I'm not sure, <laughs> you know, how like then the case it's whether there's a case for optimism or pessimism because there's ideas everywhere and we have the ideas that seem to be winning right now are antithetical to liberty right so we could ask whether you can get more liberty like if you can actually win in, in the marketplace of ideas with uh liberty um and that's not all at all clear to me anymore you know certainly um there's a, a blogger called uh, Mencha Smoldbug who came up with this concept of the cathedral. Um, his name's Curtis. His real name's Curtis Yarvin. I was listening to a podcast with him on Pete Quinones lately, and he made an interesting case that the marketplace of ideas is basically run by the aristocracy, and that he said, you know, he's kind of moved away from libertarianism he said he can't really poke any holes in like anarcho-capitalism or rothbard or any of these libertarian greats or mises the the austrian greats but he said you know he, he made the point that th it's kind of like libertarianism is newtonian physics and and once you get into like quant the quantum realm it doesn't quite work right and and so the quantum quantum mechanics hasn't doesn't say newtonian physics is all bunk it's just like not enough. Um, and, and I think he makes a case that the marketplace of ideas, the left is always going to win uh, because, and he, he lays out his case and, and I'm still trying to wrap my brain around it. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a little skeptical of that case, but he, he makes a compelling case that what's needed is power. Like power ultimately is what shifts ideas. And, um, you know, so, so, ultimately i guess what you need want is like a philosopher king who um who imposes it and i mean there, there's some evidence that this might be the case i mean if you think about it like one of the the most difficult things for me to argue against as a libertarian is uh is the civil rights uh act in the u.s right it's like okay uh, strictly speaking from a libertarian perspective um we want the right to discriminate <laughs> and and over time we say that when given that right you know the people that do best in the marketplace are the ones that don't discriminate based on race and all these illogical things there but yet you can't argue that the civil rights movement and, and the civil rights act dramatically increased um decreased discrimination right discriminate like the attitudes the actual attitudes in people's minds um and it's it's same you, you could say the same for something like a seatbelt seatbelt law like i would argue against it but yet i remember before seatbelt laws came into place i think maybe 20 percent of people regularly wore a seatbelt now even if they're I, I i would bet if we repealed the law tomorrow we'd still have a high rate rate of people wearing seatbelts there's a cultural change for the better, I would say, because of that law. So there's something to Yarvin's idea that that what's needed to change society is to grasp power. And I've been wrestling with that. That's something I'll probably wrestle with in the upcoming episode. You know, we'll, we'll probably wrestle with it in my own mind, and therefore it'll spill over onto the show, and David will uh, hold my feet to the fire and, and correct me 
here, but it's something that I've been mulling over. I've, I've been hearing a lot of people, especially on the alt-right, say, look, what we need is power, and then we can have liberty. And maybe there's something to that. I don't know. Well, and so I think that's a different conversation and a very slippery slope and dangerous yeah. realm. But yeah. from my understanding, that's the fundamental debate, right, in philosophy is, do we need philosopher kings or are average people able to use their mind to understand the world and make rational decisions? And that's the, that's the debate, right? Um, and so in terms of, I, you know, in terms of can society change, I think it's tough. I think it's difficult to navigate. And, you know, I, I could say that it is a power struggle, but it's a power struggle to give each person power over their own life right? If we do that, then that is what will allow the society to change. I think what you talked about, about um, how you've changed, and that's, a, that's an important point as well. And I've changed. And so I know that I can change. And I know that I see the culture or the people around me changing. Just yesterday, I talked about objectivism to someone who'd never right. heard of that before, never even heard of philosophy in the way I talk about it. And that's interesting to them. Right. And so the more I talk about those ideas, the more I live my life, the more it does start to grow and change. And, you know, society is also not a a set thing. Right. You right. can build a society around you. And so, you know, we we had a bonus episode on Subscribestar. If people want to check it out, they should, uh, you know, head over to the Liberty But we talked about can you boycott the government or not? And you can't boycott the government, really, but you can start to build new societies around you, new communities, right? And there's different movements we've talked about in the past of, like, you know, taking over a state or whatever. I joke that I want to take over Wyoming. But, like, you know, the U.S. was uh, originally a total breach from the past, right? Um, and so maybe there's not new land we can go create a new society in, but I think there's enough freedom still that you'd be able to over time, you know, have a, have a groundswell of change. So I don't want to get too into like the power and the fascism and, and philosopher King debate, but you know, I do think I hold optimism. I do think, I don't think there's any reason I could even fathom as to why the left wing uh, would have to win. I think, I, I, I could project that, you know, the compassionate arguments will win over time. People do care about other people, but we have to show that liberty lets you actually do that better, right? Um, I mean, that shouldn't be the primary, but I think that um, people yeah. just well, I, I, he, he, here's Here's the devil's advocate uh, position. It's something on like this. Or in, on the philosopher king question. No, on, on your... On your optimism that uh, that we can change this, that that we can persuade enough people, or that you know, or that because you and I are we're able to change our our philosophical beliefs and be free thinkers, right? We we've kind of unbridled ourselves from culture and thought for ourselves. It was a very, yeah. I mean, I it was a very disruptive process for me. Like it it shifted my life. I was lost without a compass for probably close to a year it was not a good feeling at all right yeah me um, too. And, and so but you you and i it could be that you and i and other libertarians are constituted in such a way we our personality profile which might be largely genetic or um maybe it's environmental it doesn't really matter but 
but we are able to um, think our free th- free think, okay, and rationally change our underlying be- opinion. There are a large group of people in society who um, kind of live their life out as automatons, right? They kind of go with whatever cultural influences appeal to them, and they don't really think their way through it. They're not rational in that sense. So the, the right. argument, I think, that the left wins is that the left offers something to people who are automatons that we can't offer, right? I mean, you get free stuff. Right. You get people who seem to care about you. Like, why wouldn't you follow that along with that group rather than the, this group that's saying, hey, uh, you're responsible for yourself. You're not getting any free handouts. You're going to have to work, grind, and, and you know, all that, that kind of stuff. Like, there's... So, that's that's the argument against um, having optimism here and thinking that okay, well maybe ten percent of people will only ever embrace liberty because they're the only ones that are predisposed to accept the arguments that are capable of the free thought and then and the discomfort that comes with it to the point where they're able to shift their philosophies. Well, and so this is why objectivists don't like talking to libertarians about this ah. kind of thing, because that mindset is what leads to authoritarianism. The, the idea mm. that, because the idea that that's some sort of thing innate in some humans, but not others, right? right. Whereas, yep. So it really comes down to what is the nature of humans? What is the yeah. nature of like free will in humans? And objectivism holds that it is the ability to get control of your mind. Every, every human is, has free will. They are volitional. They can choose to get control of their mind or That's not. Right. And so the people who are auto- automatons, they've chosen to be automatons, which right, means right. they could choose not to be. And the longer they're automatons, the harder it is to unchoose that. Yeah. But as soon as you think there's something innately different about you and I and other people who are free thinkers, that inevitably leads to well, then we should have philosopher kings, yeah. right? And well, and and, so and, and I, I mean, and and I, I totally agree with you. Like I I I hold out like I, I'm more of a cynic now because it seems like there are just certain groups of people that will never accept these tenets that that just almost seem incapable of it. Now maybe you know, yeah. maybe I'm writing them off and, and maybe I shouldn't, uh, I probably shouldn't, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of the pigment pygmalion effect where, um, you know, if, if you have certain expectations of people, they fulfill those expectations, right? They've, right. they've discovered this in teachers, right? If they think that if, if a teacher is told that this gifted student is actually a, a troubled student who really struggles, that person's grades and performance at school will start to decline yeah. um, because a teacher has predetermined that that is a certain type of person. And so uh, we need to be careful about doing that and, and we should stray away from that. And I certainly understand that, you know, even like rationally, I can, I can make the argument that, look, maybe, maybe um, my neuro maybe my IQ is stuck. I can't develop anymore. I can't, get smarter, more intelligent, grow in character. Maybe I've reached my peak. That's not going to get me growth though. Uh, the mindset that's going to get me growth and get me um, more of what I want is believing at least 
and, and there's science that backs it up that my brain is neuroplast, neuroplastic, right? That I, it can change, that I can change the synapses and the very structure of my brain by thinking different thoughts. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, I can become a different person, a better person, a better version of myself. Having that belief will, uh, will potentially lead to that, me becoming a better person. And, and, and maybe there's uh, 10 studies out there that show that there's very limited neuroplasticity in a man my age. Um, but I have to hold on to the fact that there's some and that right. I believe there's some. And because I believe there's some, I'm likely to have more. And if I buy the, the belief that um, my, my brain is fixed, then I'll fulfill that prophecy. It will be fixed. You know, like Henry Ford said, if you believe you can or cannot, you're right. Yeah. And I, I think that's really true. And I mean, for me, I just have so much evidence of the amount my brain has actually changed. Like the, mm-hmm. my thinking patterns are totally different than they were five years ago because I obsessively worked to change them for years. And so I know not only can I choose to be different, but then I can train my brain to actually be different. And so I know that I can do that. And so I believe, and I believe that other people can do that as well. And, you know, someone's free will is separate from their actual intelligence. It's like, according to the objectivist view of free will, it's a precondition of thought is, am I choosing to think at all or not? It's not exactly that. um, And so the idea is, yeah, it does get tougher over time. It does get scarier. And maybe there are a bunch of 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds, 40-year-olds, 30-year-olds will never change their mind. But also you can, that's why education is so important, right? Because you can also imagine if we had a society that actually helped people feel in control of their life, that actually helped people be in control of their mind and know that they can be whoever they want to be. Literally, they can just choose who they want to be and they can design themselves that way. If we, if we actually raise people up, raise children in that culture, the yeah. amount of shift we could have is, is, would be mind-blowing, I think. And so I still hold to a lot of hope. I mean, so I'm younger. Maybe by the time I'm your old, decrepit age, I'll, ha- I'll be more jaded, but I don't think so. But um, I've always been an optimist because I can, I've, I can see the changes and the differences that happen in my mind. Um, and so it just makes sense to me that that can happen in others. And, and once you get enough, there is a groundswell. And that being said as well, I, there are a lot of people who are more like automatons and Ayn Rand's argument is that, and I don't know if I agree with this, but it's, you don't have to change a lot of people. You have to change the right people, right? The culture is created by like, you know, a few hundred people and then everyone else just follows the herd, right? But it's about getting the people who are, you know, getting the intellectuals, getting the right people who are pro-liberty and then it will shift the culture. It's not that you have to literally convince every single person. Yeah, they're they're and, and you know you can be automatons like you and I were and then get red pilled and it's a very disconcerting thing. It's like going down the the Alice in Wonderland the rabbit hole or whatever, right? Yeah. And your world warps and everything changes and it's very unsettling. Um and you know, but we we do need those morpheuses in the world that are able to hand people the red pill and uh and those people are are important. So yeah, you're right. Also, your, your your optimism is rubbing off on me, David. I, I think um, 
you know, and obviously, look, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if I didn't think it would make a difference, right? Um, uh, you know, Walter Block has... I have a counter argument for that, okay. actually, but... Oh, okay. Well, okay, ahead, let's sorry. hear your counter argument. No, I think you could, even if... Because if, if you still have Christian guilt in the back of your deep subconscious, you could think there's no hope, but I have these ideas. I need to spread them, so I'll continue right. to spread liberty ideas, even though it makes yeah. me miserable because it's well, my duty. I have to try and save the world, <laughs> and then you can hate yourself all the time. It's funny you should say that because, you know, like two years ago when the PPC basically decimated our party, I was feeling pretty hopeless and like, you know, and I, I went to this um, this essay. Now, who who is it by? It's called I think it's called Isaiah's Job. Um, Isaiah's. I Isaiah's remember you sent it to me. Job. Um, yeah, Isaiah's Job, and it, it it's by it, I think it's from like the 30s. It's by yeah from 1936 by Al, Albert J. Nock, and he basically says you know it's basically retelling the story of Isaiah, and Isaiah goes out and he's He's a messenger of God, right? And he's trying to warn people away from their evil ways and that certain doom is, is going to come to them if they continue doing this. And he's like, no one's listening to me, God. Like, what is the point of me being your messenger if no one will even listen? No one's like, he's like, well, you're right. There are people that are not going to listen, but there's a select few among these automatons, basically, that will hear you that know the truth that you, and and your preaching will give them comfort and and let them know that there is hope after this coming apocalypse that they this remnant will rebuild and you're needed to minister to that remnant and so that that has given me some comfort from time to time that even if nothing else I'm ministering to a remnant but you know Walter Block takes it even a step further I kind of like his attitude and he's like, I don't care if I persuade anyone or if anyone, if I'm doing anything in the world, I like doing this. I yeah. like arguing with people. I like correcting them. I like getting my ideas out there. I'm going to do this whether anyone's persuaded or whether I make one ounce of difference in the world or not. There's also something to that that, that is kind well, of admirable to me, right? I think that's the most important thing, actually, right? I'm doing this because I'm just living my life. I'm right. living my life that I want to be living. And right now, I want to be talking to Tim and then posting it on YouTube. Yeah. That's just what I want to do. And then if someone listens to it, that's good, right? And so the more people who actually have that approach, and it's a very first-handed, independent approach, then the more we'll actually have people creating this kind of content, the more we'll actually spread liberty because they won't get dejected. They won't get mad. They won't care that people aren't listening. And then they'll start to find each other, right? Yes. I really I really think that. And, and it's very much just, yeah, I'm living my life. That's it. And, and sometimes then it's actually the conversations I have with people who are like, hey, like, David's living an interesting life. I want to know about that. And then they talk to me about it and, and I explain why I'm able to live this life. And it's because of objectivism. It's because of liber liberty principles and stuff, right? And that's yeah. what makes up in their mind. And it's that's that, really it, what starts to cause the bigger change, I think. 
Yeah, it's that, uh, I think what you're describing is that old Christian adage of don't witness to people, be the witness, right? Like be the change you want to see basically in the world. That's your strongest witness. Like, uh, you know, let your values fill your life. But, and, and you're right too. It's like Walter Block's attitude is exactly right because, you know, it was when I just started doing things that provided meaning for me that that I enjoyed in the moment that were deeply fulfilling to me in the moment, just for the sake of doing it, just the intrinsic thing. It wasn't like I thought I was going to be changing the world or doing anything. I, I grasped those opportunities. All these opportunities started opening up for me. And by the way, I started persuading a lot of people, even though I wasn't necessarily trying to do that. I started gathering a lot of support, even though that wasn't really my goal. It was just like the thing I was doing whether it was writing an article, I didn't care if anyone read it or not. You know, I put it out there. I hope someone read it, but you know, or I would do videos or I would work with Neil Young and Daryl Hannah. I mean, I did all that stuff for free because it it, was deeply meaningful to me. It brought me deep sense of joy and fulfillment to do those things. And that that's always been the most productive thing for me. But when I focus on what I need to do is persuade this number of people to become libertarians today. What I need to do is fundraise this X amount of dollars. What I need to do is follow this career path. As soon as I make make my success contingent on external factors, uh, I my success disappears. It, it vanishes and I can't get anywhere and I get frustrated. And so... Yeah, so who, whoever asked this question uh, and so, or suggested this as a topic, uh, my advice would be don't focus on whether you can change society or not. Um, can you change yourself? And are you doing something that's intensely meaningful to you uh, that you find valuable? And if, it, if you are and if it has something to do with liberty, there's a good chance that it'll change the world, you know, in, in some small way or maybe even a big way. Yeah, I, I, I that can't be your goal. agree. And I mean, and I've tried to live that more recently. And, you know, I think it's difficult because a lot of people, you know, where we want to be is very far from where we are in terms of society. So it seems like it's a very far path to make that connection. But it's yeah. really, you know, society is the combination of millions of people. The people are, e- are a lot easier to change when you're talking to them one on one. And it's, it's, if that's your focus, change yourself, talk to the people around you. The gap is way smaller than you think. But if all you do is look at Twitter and see and look at the state of the state, it, it looks like we'll never make change. It looks like we right. can't do it. But I think like, you know, uh, change the things you look, change the way you look at things and the things you look at change. There's some quote like right. that. And so if we really do focus more on individuals and, and our lives and their lives, you know, I, I think change will happen much more quickly, actually. No, I, I think you're right. And here's some evidence of things changing in the world that, that I can uh, attest to just in my own life. You know, I, I got started in politics in around 2009 when our ambulance service was being taken over by the province. And we pushed back hard and had town halls and got ideas out there and rallied the troops. And we changed the, the, the format. Like we managed to hold on to our dispatch center. We didn't get everything we wanted, but had we not done that, things would have been worse. Um, there are more people today in the world that, that use the word libertarian. Uh, I mean, you know, the fact that there's so much libertarian derangement out there that people are nitpicking Joe Jorgensen and, and like bashing libertarians and saying we're all cringy and, you know, doing all this stuff. That's a testament to the fact that libertarianism as an idea and as a movement 
is is spreading and becoming more popularized and that's because of the work we're doing in canada more and more politicians are identifying as you know libertarian on certain things they're using that term a lot more that's because we use it we popularize it we get memes out in the world we get ideas out into the world so things things are changing you can see the influence i can see the influence i'm having in the world and our party and the people that we work with so so there, there is reason for optimism. Things are changing because of the ripples you put out in the world. Uh, they're also changing because of the ripples other people are putting out in the world. And so, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's a struggle, I guess, to, to, to have the best ideas win. And, and I'll just add, like, you don't have to be as famous and as eloquent as Tim. Like, I'm making change in my circles as well, right? I talk to people and they're becoming more liberty-minded because of the conversations I'm having with them. And that's my focus right now. Obviously, I want to get, you know, uh, a platform as large as Tim and stuff, but that's a work in progress. And I can focus and I can see the benefit. It's a growth mindset. I can see, oh, I have helped this person be a bit more liberty-minded today. That's good. Um, and, and so I think that's, that gives me hope. And if, you wanna, yeah. if all of you want to contribute, uh, we definitely encourage you to engage with us, submit topics, and consider supporting the show, thelibertyexperts.com. It really helps us push these ideas and advocate them. And if you sign up there, you can also join us in some podcasts sometimes and things like that. So definitely consider contributing to help us change society because I remain very optimistic that we can. And I think Tim will one day join me in my optimism. Your donation can help change the world, man. That's uh, that's a good point, David. That's a good point. Yeah, it will because you know it gets it, it helps us get our marketing out there. It helps us advertise more. It helps. Uh, it just helps us spread the message. And so, if you are being persuaded by us, if you are finding enjoyment or an enlightenment by listening to us in some way, um, you know, other people will also find that. And we want to reach them, and we want to reach them with this podcast. And and you know, so yeah, keep sending out positive vibes and and doing what you find it meaningful and putting your effort and your time and your money into things that are providing value that, that you think are, are intrinsically valuable. And I think that will have a big impact. Mm-hmm.